Good morning. Can everybody hear me this morning? Good, good. Um, I am very nervous this morning, but we'll bear through this together, I promise. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to start off this morning, and I, I just wanted to thank the church and the elders, not only for allowing me to speak this morning and give the message this morning, but to also uh, minister to the youth. And I just want to challenge anybody that is feeling a calling or feeling pulled toward um, trying to reach out and minister to somebody to take that leap of faith and to take that jump because the Lord will show you so many blessings and not only for you, but how you can bless other people. And it's just, it's amazing what God can do. And uh, the other reason is sometimes when you try to reach out to minister to somebody, God's really trying to teach you something. <laughs> and uh, sometimes the, the lessons you put together um, are, are more for yourself than what you're trying to actually give uh, to the youth. And, and that's what I experienced with this message this morning. And um, I, I hope y'all enjoy and I'm ready to share that with y'all. If y'all please stand this morning uh, for the reading of God's word. We'll be in Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verse 12 through 26. All righty. And verse 12 starts out, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I will rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers, God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will no, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but I know it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And I wanted to highlight a few verses. The first one is verse 13 at the end. It says, I am in chains for Christ. And then in verse 22, it says, yet what shall I choose? The title of the message this morning is Choosing Your Chains. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for the very many blessings that you've given us, dear God. Just thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to learn more about you, dear Lord. And I just pray that as we go through life, we 
are shown that we have a chain of grace, dear God, and that you ultimately have given us that. I ask all these things in your name. Amen. All right, y'all may be seated. Thank y'all. Sorry, a lot of verses, but let's get to it. Let's get to it. Um, So, again, as I was preparing this message, it it was initially intended for the youth, and and we learned this lesson uh, called Choosing Your Chains while in the youth because the youth right now is going through a really crucial time in their lives. It's, it's at, they're at a point where the decisions they make can ultimately have an everlasting impact on the person that they become and, and how they're able to reach out to other people. And so they have a lot of potential right now and they have a lot of potential in what they can provide, but sometimes at that point in their life, it's hard to see and it's hard to realize the potential that they have. And, and unfortunately, the, the devil can see that, and the devil can see their potential, and the devil wants to hinder their potential. And so the devil will give them a choice, and it'll start out with just a choice. And this choice may not be very impactful to them at the time. Kids may not understand that, oh, you know, I, I'm going to just lie this one time. Maybe I'll get by with it. Maybe, maybe my parents won't know. Maybe, maybe they'll, they'll just forget about it. I, I, I'm going to be forgiven. It's just this one choice. You know, I, I got to look cool in front of my friends, right? Right. It's just this one choice, just this one time. Well, eventually as they're making these choices and they're continuing on through life, the next time they make this choice, it isn't as hard as the first time. You know, maybe it's hard to lie the first time. Maybe it's not so hard to lie the second time, so it becomes a habit. And as they're walking through life and they, they begin to have these habits that they're creating at this point in time, whether it's, whether it's even being jealous, whether it's being angry, whether it's when a situation happens in their life, maybe they're, they're at a point where something happens to them they don't understand. They don't understand the full impact of it, and so they choose to be angry at that point in time. Well, next thing you know, you know, something smaller happens, but they, they have a habit at this point. It, it's still them being angry, and it's still them being jealous, and, and pretty soon that habit is just reoccurring. Now they, they don't understand. They don't, they don't have another reaction. It's just it's automatically what their reaction is, and so that habit soon becomes automatic. And as these little choices that they start out with right now become these habits and become automatic, they carry them on later in life, in their jobs, in their marriages, in the people that they're trying to influence and how they're trying to minister to others. And pretty soon, these habits and these automatic reactions, whether lying, whether anger, whether jealousy, sometimes they start adding up in and eventually, it's what we're known for. It becomes our identity. It's how others see us. And so now when we're trying to be a good worker and a good husband in the future, when we're trying to minister to others, we're, we're not known for that, though. We're, we're known for something else. And it all started with this little choice that we have. And pretty soon after we get told it enough, we get told it repeatedly and repeatedly and and finally, people start telling us that it's the truth. We, we almost start believing it to be the truth, and that's when it becomes our nature. And so 
at first I wanted the kids to see that the little choices that they're making right now ultimately are creating chains for their life. And ultimately, what they choose to do now can have more impact on their lives than what they can actually see. And with that, Aiden, will you please come up and help me this morning? Um, I have a visual this morning on kind of how this works, unfortunately. And Aiden has a lot of potential. And I love Aiden, man. He's awesome. I, I love Aiden. He is such a good kid. And I, <laughs> if you haven't talked to Aiden enough, I, I ask you to please continue talking to him and get to know him a little bit better because he has a ton of potential in his life. But unfortunately, like I mentioned before, the devil sees that potential. And the devil knows that Aiden is a Christ follower. Aiden is in love with the Lord. Aiden is, can touch so many people, and he can minister to so many people, and he sees that. And so the devil gives them this little choice, and a little choice whether it be to lie, whether it be to be angry, whether it be jealous. He, he makes this first choice, and yet then he goes and he wants to be successful, and he wants to be successful in his job, so go be successful. And, and he's, he's still here, right? he's still here. He, he wants to be a good husband, and he, he wants to seek out Christ, and he wants to be a better follower of God, and so he tries to go out. He tries to go, and, and he's still here. The, the chain is still there, and sometimes in our life, these chains are hard to break, and sometimes these habits are hard to get off, um, <laughs> and uh, Thank you, Aiden. You can go have a seat. Thank you. Um, and so sometimes these chains that we've made in our life that came from these little choices that we really didn't understand can have long-lasting impacts on our lives. And what I wanted to try and teach them is that we've got another chain that God already created for us, and that chain's called grace. And it's, it was made long before any choice and any decision that we made in our lives. And it's, it's, it was created for us before we were ever even put into existence, this chain. And I wanted to show, uh, uh, share that with you all this morning. Um, and I kind of wanted to transition now to Paul. Because Paul's in prison in Rome um, in Philippians. And he's writing a letter to the church of Philippi. And... In these verses, I'll go back to verse 12 to start off with. Verse 12 through 14. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So there's a little difference here. In our first example, we had made a choice, and we had chosen to be jealous, be angry. Paul was old, and he was wise at this point. He had already been through a life where he made good choices, where he chose to spread the gospel, where he chose to be faithful to God, and yet he finds himself in this circumstance, and this circumstance is prison. 
And sometimes in our lives, we're put in these circumstances where maybe we didn't choose something that happens to us. Maybe we didn't choose um, a financial situation. Maybe we didn't choose to lose our job. Maybe we didn't choose the position that we're in. But ultimately, we have to understand that no matter what circumstance comes across in our life, we have a chain of grace. And one of, one of these examples of a circumstance, I wanted to share this morning um, something that I felt convicted on my life for a long time had nothing to do with me and it had nothing to do with any choice I made, but it was my parents' divorce. And growing up as a kid, I, um, my parents lived in two different states. I always wanted my dad to be able to be at my baseball game and my mom to be able to come spend the weekend with my dad. And I always wanted everyone to be together. And I just, I, as a kid, remember, I, I didn't understand all of the impacts that go into it. And I didn't understand why that would be the case. And I know now in the position I, that I'm in, being in a marriage with Tana and our, us having a son, I know that I had an example as a kid that of what I didn't want to have with Tana and I didn't want to put our son through. And, and don't get me wrong, there's other chains that we have in our life. Like uh, I'll, I'll admit as a 25 year old, I, uh, I love video games. I like playing video games. Uh, so uh, so I've, I've got these other chains and, and uh, you know, those, those started in high school. Before high school, I haven't, I've had those chains for a while, but I still play video games. And man, it's just something I feel like gives me a little release, I, you know, after a stressful day of work. And so all uh, the other night, as I'm kind of preparing this sermon this morning, I'm sitting there and I'm playing my game. And man, I'm, you know, I'm winning, of course, but no, not I'm just joking. But, uh, but no, I'm playing this game and uh, I'm just all focused in. I'm focused in really kind of shutting out the world behind, around me. And Tana comes up and she sits in the recliner next to me and she said, hey, you know, let's, let's talk. We haven't, you know, I don't, I don't know why you just, I feel like you've been busy. Let's just talk. And to me, I'm thinking, we text all day. I work with you. I see you all day. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking in my head, I'm really not sure where this is coming from. And uh, I, I'm thinking to myself, uh, I mean, we talk all day, so I kind of, I kind of, unfortunately shouldn't do this, but I kind of put it on the back burner, and, and I, I'm just playing my game. And next thing I know, I feel it in, in the back of my head, and I, I kind of pause for a second, and I'm thinking, and I, I'm thinking, God's talking to me, and he's saying, you remember that chain I had when you were a kid that, that, that chain that you had to go through, all that sadness you had to go through as a kid and not having your parents together. And what if it started with this? What if it started with just not communicating? And what if it just started off of a little choice like that? And whether it was God hit me in the back of the head with a chain or Tana with a shoe, I don't know at that point. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I know that God put me through that so I have an understanding of what we want in the future. And I think there's a lot of really good examples of that. And sometimes as Paul's even talking in this letter, he's saying that he's in chains for Christ. No, he didn't choose it, but yet he's put here and he's put in this situation. He's put in this circumstance and yet he's still going to rejoice and spread the gospel. And another great example of this, I wanted to share this testimony that sometimes circumstances and chains are put in our life so that we can help set someone else free. And sometimes the circumstances that happen in our life have nothing to do with us and have 
is, is not really about us. It's about someone else, but we can't see it at that time because we're going through it, because we're going through the pain and the agony. And so this testimony, um, the gentleman's name is uh, Inky Johnson. And Inky was a football player in the late 90s for the University of Tennessee. He was a first-round projected draft pick, almost an, a multimillionaire, almost in the NFL, would have been a great player. Well, Inky grew up in a very poverty neighborhood where there was a lot of drug dealers, a lot of bad things going on, and, and again, a circumstance that he didn't necessarily choose, but he understood that him growing up in that situation, he knew what he wanted to get out of. So he strived for the NFL very early, and he strived at six and seven year, years old when he's talking in these videos that, you know, I, I want to be in the NFL. I want to make it past this. I want to I uh, do something more for my life. And, and so he goes and he, he starts playing football and he um, at high school is going to a high school called Crenshaw. And Crenshaw is, has a higher dropout rate than graduation rate. It's, it's not, not a very good system, um, but it's where all of these kids around his neighbor, neighborhood go. And he starts playing football in his freshman and sophomore year. He plays really well. And, the coach uh, comes to him and he says, Inky, man, you can, you can make it out of here. I think you need to transfer over to another uh, private school. And he said, you're going to get a scholarship there no matter what. And Inky said, no, I, I think I need to stay here. I, I, don't, I don't need to go anywhere. I, I think this is where my home is. I think this is where I need to stay. Well, the coach ended up convincing his parents, and he goes to this private school. Well, in the first game of the private school, he tears his uh, ankle up and um, – is unable to play his junior year. So he transfers back to Crenshaw, uh, one of the hardest schools to go through. Um, like I said, dropout rate is higher than the graduation rate. And he transfers back, and he's, he's pretty much done with football. The ankle injury kind of upset him. And the coach comes to him and says, man, you know, just come and do some drills for me. Just I know you, you think you're already past it. Just come do some drills for me. He goes out, and he does pretty well. And he said, Inky, where do you want to go to college at? And he said, man, I just want to go to D1. I, I, don't, I don't care where it is. You don't have to – I don't care where it is. The circumstance I've been through, it doesn't matter where I go. I just want to go. And he said, okay, we'll put together a tape and we'll, uh, we'll uh, see what happens. And so he plays his first two games. He's starting to get phone calls in and he's starting to get recognized. Well, the coach of the Tennessee Volunteers calls him his senior year halfway through the season and offers him a scholarship. And uh, Inky – just talking over the phone, first time he heard him, says, you know, I'm coming. He's, and the coach said, well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you understand this process. You kind of need to come look at the college. You kind of need to come and uh, see what we have to offer. And Inky said, no, I'm, I'm coming. Don't worry about that. Don't spend any of the college money. I'm coming. That's all I need. And so uh, the coach says, well, if you're coming, we appreciate it, but I still want you to come visit the school. And he said, okay. He said, uh, he gets there. They go to this dinner. And he said, afterwards, there's a host at this college, and the host is supposed to take him around, show him a good time, just show him, you know, what the college has to offer. And so the host tells him, he says, Inky, there's a uh, sorority party, there's a barbecue, and there's a basketball game. He said, which do you want to go to? And Inky just looked at him and said, man, I'm, I kind of want to go back to the hotel. And the host kind of looks at him and he goes, Inky, I mean, are you sick? Are you feeling bad? What's going on? And he said, no. Uh, he said that night in the Marriott, what the uh, 
What the host didn't know is that was his first time sleeping in a bed by himself. He, uh, growing up having to sleep on the floor, having, having to sleep um, with 13 other individuals in the house, he said, that was the first time I got in bed by myself. So he said, I, it didn't matter a sorority party. It didn't matter all of these things. And so he ends up going to the University of Tennessee. He gets there and uh, so, or freshman season, he's on special teams. Sophomore season, he breaks the starting lineup. Junior year before uh, the summer workouts before, his coach comes in and he's watching film. And his coach walks in and he says, Inky man, congratulations. He said, you're projected a top 30 draft pick. You're going to go in the first round. You're going to be an, an automatic multimillionaire. And Inky stops and he calls his mom and he calls his grandma and he tells them, you know, we'll, we'll never have to think about not having another meal. We'll never have to think about um, wondering where our bills are going to get paid from. We'll never have to worry about that again. And so the first game of his junior season, he goes out, makes an interception, makes headlines. Man, he's doing great. Second game of the season, he goes out and he goes to make a form tackle, regular everyday tackle in the fourth quarter. And he said he hits this guy and every breath in his body leaves him and he goes limp. And he's laying there and he blacks out. The ambulances rush on. He's taken off on a stretcher and, and he finally comes back to and he says, his dad's walking next to him and he said, Dad, I, I really stuck it to him, right? I, I think I got him. And uh, his dad said, no, I, I think you got the worst of this one, Inky. And um, he go, they get to the hospital, they run some scans. Shortly thereafter, the doctor comes running down the hallway, screaming, we gotta get him to emergency surgery. He's about to die. And Inky's thinking to himself, about to die, just thinking, God, are you really about to change the circumstance and the trajectory on my life? I, I thought we had something, and I thought I would be able to go to the NFL and to where none of my little cousins would ever have to worry again, and my parents wouldn't have to worry again, and, and I, I thought we had it. And so surgery is successful. They, uh, he ruptured a circlavian, subclavian artery in his chest, and he was bleeding internally. They take an artery out of his leg and put it in his chest to save his life. The doctor comes in and is talking to him. He said, Inky, I got some good news and some bad news. And Inky, he's funny. He's sitting there and he said, you got some bad news? The last thing I heard, I was going to die. So <laughs> there ain't any bad news now. And he goes, uh, he goes Inky, we, you're going to be okay. You're going to recover for it. But he said, you're never going to play it down a football again in your life. And Inky said, that's okay. That's okay because... Inky ultimately knew that there was something else in his life. And so as he's going through rehab and he's going through recovery, he's finally a few months out, he gets released to go home. And he goes home and his dad had really never been a part of his life. And his dad at that point in time was taking him to rehab every day, physical therapy every day. He's taking him to therapy and after therapy he goes and he's uh, volunteering at a, at a church and I, I believe they're serving food, and um, he's talking to a men's group, and he, he's talking to this men's group, and 30 days go by, and um, his dad is just in awe. He's, you know, his dad wasn't around him growing up, and he said, Inky, I don't understand. How, how are you taking this so well? And he said, I, I, know, that there's, I know that there's a bigger, bigger event happening in my life. Just, you just wait, and his dad said, well, Inky, that, that God you talk about and that Jesus you talk about 
and those scriptures you talk about, he said, I want to give my life to it. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't want to live the way I'm living. If you can come out of this event and you can be the man that you are today and have that perspective, he said, I'm, I'm all in. He said, I'm, I'm all in. And so ESPN there a few, few weeks later goes up to him and, and they're asking him, they're writing a story on him. And man, Inky, you know, I, you were a first round pick, man. You were about to be a millionaire. What's, what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And he said, man, it's, life's good. And those reporters are like, man, what are you talking about? Life's good. You, you just had the surgery. What, what are you talking about? And he goes, or the reporter goes, you know, is there anything you would change? You know, what's going on? He said, if it took me going to college, playing, and having this injury to set my three little cousins free that have been saved by the Lord, that are now playing in college, if it took my injury to make my dad know the Lord, he said it was all worth it. He said I wouldn't change a beat. And the reporters are just in shock. They're in awe. And <clears throat> sorry. Sometimes in our life, it takes the conflict to understand the calling. And sometimes in our life, we, we may not need a sermon to be preached, but sometimes we need a sermon to be lived. And I think Inky is a perfect example of that. And I think that Paul ultimately is trying to tell us that. Paul, in his letter, is saying, you know, I didn't choose these chains. I didn't pick coming here. I, I was spreading the word. I was doing what I was supposed to. But... Somehow I find myself in these chains. In verse 15 through 18, it says, it is, true. it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. And so he knows at that point in time, he's, he's already decided. He's, he is put here. It's not something that he thinks is a mistake. It's not something that... He is second-guessing. He knows that he is put here in this circumstance for Christ. And it says, The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition and not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Let me talk on that real quick. There will be times in our lives where people are trying to put chains on us. People are trying to put us in boxes and withhold our potential. They're trying to tell us, you can't do that. You're... you're I don't know, only from quantity. You're only this. You're only that. They're trying to stir up that trouble, and they're trying to tell you something that you're not. They're trying to tell you these lies. And ultimately, we have to understand that we've got something bigger than that. We've got something bigger than those lies. It says, but what does it matter? I love Paul how he says that. If we would only stop and think, when something happens and the circumstances in our life and what others may say about us, if we just stop and think, what does it matter? What is the importance behind that? Why, why is that even important? And we realized what the important thing is, and he says it in the next verse. He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached, and because of this I will rejoice. If we understood and we picked what the important thing is, then we would have such a dramatic impact on our life. I think 
what he's trying to say here is, what are you chaining your joy to? What are you choosing to chain your joy to? And we get the choice. We get to answer that in the next verse. It says, the important thing is, and we get to fill in the blank. We get to ultimately say what the important thing is in our life. Is it our job? Is it the money we make? Is it our friends? Is it whether other people like us or not? And unfortunately, I think sometimes we, we choose those things. And, and ultimately, if what's important to us is that somebody else likes us, when somebody else doesn't like you, then you won't like you if that's what's important to you. And ultimately, if the important thing is you've got a chain of grace and that you know you're a child of God and God loves you, it doesn't matter if anybody likes you because you know you're a child of God. And ultimately, I think that's what he's trying to say here is finding out what the important thing is. And the last few verses I wanted to go through was 21 through 25. It says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. It's going to be hard. Inky knew it. He said, I've got a paralyzed right arm. He said, I, I'm not the person I was. It's going to be tough living to, and trying to adjust to this life. It's, it's going to be fruitful labor for me. And I think that the circumstances that sometimes we're put through mean that it, it will be hard. And it's, it's not going to be easy. But yet, what shall I choose? And we're talking about Paul here. This is Paul's words. Paul's already been through a life full of choices. He's, already, he's, he's, not, he's nearly on his last leg. I mean, he's, he's getting beaten. He's, he's thinking to himself in this prison, and he's thinking, you know, I'm old. I'm probably crippled at this point. I'm beaten. I'm torn. Yet what shall I choose? And he says, I don't know. I'm torn between the two. He said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And I think that sometimes in our lives these circumstances happen and these things happen in our life that we carry a chain around with us. And I think ultimately we have to understand that some of these things happen to us, but it may not be about us. These chains are going to be used to bless someone else. And I think that what we're trying to understand here and what Paul's trying to convey is life's tough. Things are going to happen, and it's going to be a hard ride. But ultimately, Paul understands that it is more necessary that we remain and we show God's grace and we show the light that he gave us and the chain that he gave us and the grace he gave us to ultimately bless someone else, no matter what the circumstance is in our life. Just like Paul, just like being in prison, just like him being beaten, no matter what happens, ultimately it's to advance the gospel. And I think that sometimes that's hard for us because it's hard understanding this important thing I think sometimes we misunderstand that to have the peace of God, we have to have God's priorities. And we can't have God's peace without God's priorities. And I think that that's what we need to understand when we're picking what is the important thing. 
And ultimately, today and every day, we have a choice. We have a choice to make these chains. We have a choice to make a new chain, a chain of faith, a chain that ultimately we can rely on, a chain that we can hook to the chain of grace that he's already given us.